you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Tuesday, September 20th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of David Carr, a Bakersfield boy who understands the simple genius of Merle Haggard and the almost impossible task of playing quarterback in the NFL. Hello, DC. Hello. David is joined today by the host of the NFL Explained podcast. He is a diehard Rams fan. And no, I don't mean the LA Rams. I mean the Fordham University Rams. He's the sweet potato kid. He's Mike Yam. Welcome to the pod. First of all, kudos to you. We are uh, cross-promoting our podcast. I will take that. And two, how about we get a mention of Fordham Rams off the top? Here we go. On today's show, we will answer questions inspired by two Monday night routes. Two questions from the Titans and Bills. One, is it outrageous to suggest Buffalo could run the table? And two, and this is for the man wearing number 22 for Tennessee last night, who are you and what have you done with Derrick Henry? Two questions from the Vikings and Eagles. One, are the Eagles the team to beat in the NFC? Not a misprint. Hurts keeps around the edge and bends it back down, fighting for the end zone. What a run! Touchdown, Philadelphia! And two, should the Vikings have a quarterback on the roster not named Kirk Cousins for primetime games? Cousins to the end zone and intercepted. And the Eagles have their third of the night. <laughs> but first, my guests today are separated by seven inches in height and 55 pounds in weight, and yet they see eye to eye and balance the scales perfectly when it comes to their affection for the New York football giants, who, like Yammer's Fordham Rams, find themselves 2-0 for the first time in a long time. Brian Dable and the New York football giants are 2-0 for the first time since their last playoff trip in 2016. DC, are you cautious? Are you optimistic? Are you cautiously optimistic? Are you nervous? Are you terrified? Where are you at on this? All that, all that, all the above. The last, last three probably are most accurate. Cautiously optimistic, excited, excited the giants are relevant because they haven't been for a while, let's be honest. 
I'd pop on the game, Saquon Barkley, very talented running back, is averaging about a yard of carry. And it was just like, well, we can't do anything else. We don't have anybody outside. We don't have the guys that we once had. When I was there, the Giants were at the pinnacle of being a Giant. It was, uh, it was a fantastic moment. And to see that kind of start to come back in the same way. Like, it's not... It's not even that it's a different style. Like, you never know what you're going to get when a new coaching staff comes from another regime. Does, is it going to look like the Buffalo Bills with Brian Dayball? Is it going to be some, some uh, you know, different-looking scheme that we haven't seen yet? But what I loved is it's trenches. It's trench, it's trench warfare. It's literally defensive line, offensive line, and they're getting back to their roots. So as the weather's going to change, it always does. In the late fall, it's going to be fantastic to be a Giant fan, I think, late in the season. Interesting you said that about trench warfare because – after the game, Brian Dayball, in the winning locker room, said, and it was rather somber, gentlemen, this is going to be a very long and hard journey. He knows. It sounded like a wake, not a winning locker room. Yeah. But because he understands what the, what, the, what the makeup of the team is. He's been around long enough. He's coached with the Patriots. He's coached, obviously, high-flying Bills. They score a lot of points. He knows what this team is. It's going to be a black and blue, like, rough division battle Look at the Eagles, how they win. I mean, they're throwing around a little bit, but they run the football also. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to come down to it. The last, the last week of the season, as it always does in the NFC East, and they're going to have to grit it out. They might be looking at maybe not even 500 at some point in this season. And somehow they're going to be relevant in the divisional championship. So for me, he understands. Brian Dayball knows what he's gotten himself into. I, I love it. I love the mindset. I think that's the way you win in New York. I'm excited about it. Now, let's pick it up with you, Mike Am. How high is the ceiling? How high are your hopes for your G-men? Uh, the ceiling is, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer the ceiling question, because if you would have told me that David Carr is only seven inches taller than me, I would have said, <laughs> he's like at least... I often have heels on, on. That's set, probably so what it that's is. That's why it looks The more. lifts. I'm actually cautiously optimistic, uh, much like David is. And I think for different reasons. I think what's fascinating is we're talking about trench warfare. Still haven't seen Kayvon Thibodeau out on the football field that's right. just yet. So I think that's a positive sign. There were some nervous moments for me watching week two against Carolina. I wasn't exactly sure what to sort of expect from them. When you get the two turnovers early in that ball game and you only walk away with six points on field goals when you're essentially in the red zone, that worried me. I think we still see at times the good, the bad, and the ugly from Daniel Jones. Um, but all of a sudden, I'm feeling like, hey, maybe this defense shows up. And you know this, David, and, and Andrew, you, you get this too, like, if you're in these situations where it's close and you can find a way to gut out a victory, I almost think that that, that actually helps you long-term because you're instilling some I confidence. Agree. What's that stat, right? Like they're over 500 for the first time since 2016, and that was when they were 1-0. and So the fact that they're 2-0, and what do we have, six teams in the NFL that are undefeated? The Giants are one of those teams. To me, is is still kind of shocking. And you look at some of these 0-2 teams and you go, no, it's the G-men that, that's got you know the donut in the loss column. Like that's, that's reason for optimism. David, it's a quarterback-driven league, so henceforth the criticism of or the adulation given to teams, whether whether they suffer or whether they triumph, tends to fall on the quarterback. And yet, after two weeks, we've seen interviews with Saquon Barkley, we've seen interviews with Brian Dayball. We haven't really heard or seen much of Daniel Jones, yeah. and I suspect that you think that's probably not the worst thing. It's not. It's the best thing. It, that's just Daniel's makeup. He's not going to be the guy. They didn't really want to interview Eli either, but he won a Super Bowl, so they kind of had to. He had to talk to the guy. Like I literally would, Mike Garofalo, who works for our network, right? he would go interview Eli Manning, who would say nothing, and then he would walk over to my locker because I'd tell him everything. Right? That's just how it's set up, and Daniel Jones is the same personality. They're the same guy. Like They're, they're perfect for that city because... I mean, he's not, he's not come out and played like Josh Allen, obviously, in Brian's system. It's set up a little bit differently. But 
I think the, the best attribute that Eli always had was he was, he was never a guy that rode the roller coaster. Like, he was always so even keel. And when you get into big games, you get into situations like you talked about where they were, they were going down to the wire, they have to make plays, they're in tough, gritty games. Like, that's the perfect, that's the perfect recipe for, for winning football with the Giants is to have a quarterback that's not going to be a guy that rides the roller coaster of emotions. Because, man, you live in New York, there's 15 cameras in your locker room every day. Right? So if you start to do what I was doing and tell everyone what everyone's business and, and you're out in front of it all and you're trying to you know, control the narrative of every story and, you're, and you have to play quarterback also, I mean, that's just too much. So I think Daniel's perfect for it. It's, uh, he's got to play better. He still has to play better. Like I find myself being the biggest Daniel Jones supporter on the planet, but I still find myself watching the game saying, man, I just need a little bit more. I need a little bit more consistency from you, and hopefully he gets that. Trench warfare continues this week while divisional warfare begins. Next up for the Giants... The star, the allegedly falling star, is still fixed high in the sky. Cowboys, Giants, early thoughts? You know what's wild about this is a week and change ago, I would have said, hey, the Giants, like, it's maybe a two-horse kind of race for the top there. You felt great about the Eagles, really feel good about them after what we saw on Monday night. The Cooper Rush factor, I think, changes that dynamic just a little bit. But I think we're knocking on the door for 3-0 start right here. Like, at some point, the wheels are going to fall for one of these teams. And to me, for as much concern as there is about Daniel Jones, and Lord knows as a Giants fan who remembers watching David on a regular regular basis, like, I'm sitting here going, all right, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'll Maybe we see Thibodeau in this game. I, I think there's enough issues right now that Dallas needs to deal with. What concerns me is Dallas's front seven has been a monster, and I think that's the one thing that, that makes me concerned right now if I'm a Giants fan. But very easily, this is a huge matchup that I think could go the Giants' way. Uh, you picked the Giants to beat the Panthers. I think you were the only person to do only so. Well played. Yeah, only one. Um, will you go so far as to say that the Giants will uh, beat the Cowboys? Yeah, I will. I, I think that just the... Styles make fights. You hear this all the time in UFC and boxing. And I think that when you look at what the Cowboys were able to do against the Bengals, that's an easier out for me. I know it sounds crazy saying the team that was in the Super Bowl is an easier out for the Cowboys and the Giants. But I think stylistically, the, the Giants are going to come downhill with a, with a really good back. Not that the Cowboys didn't have a good back, but you saw, you know, you, you saw what the Giants' mindset and mentality is going to be the rest of the year. And Dallas is a little bit more still. Like I know that they want to be physical and they say they want to do those things, but I don't necessarily think that they're there yet. I think they're going to get tested by the Giants. I think the Giants' front five, the offensive line, they're starting to get some continuity. I know the yards per carry is not there for Saquon yet, but I like this matchup. I, I, I do like what the Cowboys are doing. Obviously, Cooper Rush came in and did a great job, and they changed their style from the first week because it was a lot of smoke and mirrors, and it was a little more downhill with Pollard and Zeke. I do like that, but I just think I, – I really think the Giants – have more. I think they have more right now than the Dallas Cowboys. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a great divisional matchup. It always is. From the time when Eli signed the stadium the first time we were in there, we were in Jerry's world, and he goes over the wall out of Eli's character completely, literally signs his name on the wall after the first win. So like that, that's always going to be a great matchup. But I like the Giants in this one. They had six sacks, though. Like yeah. It, then, then all of a sudden it's a different different. Exactly right. Yep. So. Fun to be a Giants fan again? Are you kidding me? I, I, I've been like the biggest apologist for, for a few years, and now all of a sudden I'm sitting here going like, hey, maybe we can actually buy buy on some of this giant stock. Saquon staying healthy the entire season is going to be, and look, I know that you can beat a dead horse and everyone talks about it, but it really is the singular focus that I have as a Giants fan and the one thing that I would point to as a precursor for success the rest of the way. That's true. 
and yet you recognize how vulnerable that makes that team. And that is the state of most teams in the NFL, right? right? Once you get past those top-tier teams, most of the teams living in the middle and living in the bottom are something akin to that. They are one injury, two injuries away from major vulnerability and potential potential mediocrity. Yeah, but this is Joe Shane's kind of team now, right? Like, moving forward, I like what they did in the draft, number one. And number two, it's it's those complementary pieces over the course of the next few seasons. I mean, we can have this conversation about what John Lynch has done with the Niners. Like, that's not easy to pull back and do a 180 on what you said about Jimmy Garoppolo. But guess what? It is the, clearly the best insurance policy that any team in the NFL has. And all of a sudden, like, they might have a better chance to get to a Super Bowl than they did a week ago when Trey Lance was healthy. So I think from a front office perspective, the Giants now need to think about what you're talking about, Andrew, and that's adding some depth in some key spots. Mikey, I'm typically looking ahead in the rundown. We will get to the oh, Niners. Yeah. We will get to Trey Lance. <laughs> And Jimmy G in a moment. Guys, thank you for your thoughts on the Giants. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast, and the next topic is the collapse of Palooza we saw in week two from the Browns and the Ravens. And cover your ears, David. Oh, my gosh. The Las Vegas Raiders. Look, (laughs) Rams gave up a big lead as well. We saw the Eagles give up a huge lead in week one. They didn't succumb, but they looked vulnerable. We all see what is happening out there. David, what are you seeing that might address why this is happening? Well, as we talked about this week one, it's... You know, I had I had nailed every pick until five minutes left in the game, and then I had I 
at one point I was losing everyone. So it's like, it's one of those areas, and you heard all the coaches talk about it. You heard Josh McDaniels talk about it. Teams in this league, if you let them hang around, they have good enough players. Kyler Murray being one of the most dynamic guys that can play outside the X's and O's, can take advantage of you when you're in vulnerable situations, when you're trying to work through what your defense is going to be from a schematic standpoint. And now everything about your scheme is being pressured. Like the edges, the rush lanes, you have to be on it, right, from a detail standpoint. So early on, you got a new staff. You're trying to work through those things. That's a lot of pressure, especially as the momentum starts to pick up and they're coming back and you can almost not stop that. So I think the other thing, the positive to, to all of these guys that blew those leads is they had huge leads, right? So you got out to a lead. I'm over having chorizo sausage and exploring the fair of the Las Vegas Legion Stadium, enjoying my day. And I come back and they started to creep back and I'm like, okay, all right, let's figure this out because they were well on their way to doing what the Chiefs did to the Cardinals which now we look at the Chiefs as one of the best teams in the league because they did the first thing, 20-something points in the first half, 40 at the end of the half. I'm thinking, oh, the Raiders are on the same path. I'm telling my dad. I'm like, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what the Chiefs did to them. This is what good teams do. Boom, here they come. We still have some things to work through. I think Cleveland's in the same situation. Cleveland may be a little bit different just because I still think, and Jacoby, unfortunately, proved my point that I made during the spring, and it's not even my point. It's just something that happens once or twice a game, he's just going to throw it to the other team. You don't know when that's going to happen. Unfortunately, it happened right there at the end of the game, and they ended up turning it over and ended up putting them back in position to lose the game. You know, so it's, it's one of those deals where you feel good about your team getting those huge leads. Yeah, you're 0-2. Yeah, all the stats say, oh, you're not going to do very well. Maybe you don't have a chance at this thing. But when you think about the lead that you did have, then you blow it. You feel still kind of optimistic that you can still turn this around. So. Is it harder, though, in it, or do you look at it in a division like the AFC West where if you go with the donut in the first two weeks in terms Worse, of Worse, man. It's, it's, a, it's a crappy feeling, but you know that there's a lot of losses still to be looming in that division. they're going to play each playing. other. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good point, and that's what I was concerned about with the Broncos, honestly, not really the Raiders or any of the other three teams that were in the division. It, coming into this thing, it was like, oh, can the Broncos figure it out fast enough to not get in the hole in this division? But I think, to your point, it might be one of those situations where they all beat up on each other and you find yourself in an NFC East type of scenario where I don't think they're all going to be battling around 500. I think they're going to be better than that. But it could be a scenario where you're all bunched up right there at the end with you know three or four losses and we see what happens. So, But they got to step on the gas. The Raiders are now, like you said, they're in the hole, right? They're behind everybody. So you got to get on. And only four teams, right, when you start 0-2, Right, have gotten to 12 wins. And that's kind of where I feel like you're going to have to get in this division to, to, be, to have a chance. There's a recurring narrative that comes out of the locker rooms of teams that come back in these games and manage to get yep. wins, as we saw the Dolphins and the Jets and mm-hmm. the like, Cardinals. You, Cardinals. You won't even say it. You won't even say it. I had blocked it out of my uh, mind. <laughs> you won't even say it. And the narrative <clears throat> is this, that we believed. We believed as a team. We believed in each yeah. other. We believed in the game plan. We believed in the scheme. And... and there we go. Yeah. My, my question for you, Mike Ham, is this. Is what we're seeing in this collapse of Palooza a testament to belief? Or is the truth that this is a testament to systems failure on the other side? No, I think it's a league thing. You know, I spent a lot of time watching games on Saturdays. And in those games, the types of comebacks that we've seen through the first two weeks of the season, that, they don't, that doesn't happen in, in the college game, right? On the NFL side, it's still the pros. It's still guys that are capable of executing. And I think when you get to that certain level, and David, you can speak to that better than anyone, I don't care how big that, that deficit is, there is a sense of belief, no, hey, we're, we're one throw away. I mean, we're watching the Monday night game, and Andrew, you and I were talking about this before we came down here. You know, the Vikings are coming down. Kirk Cousins throws a strike, and it's a drop before halftime. You're looking at basically a halftime deficit of seven points. 
Well, guess what? The drop comes, you got a punt, and then, you know, back the other way, we, we're, we're talking about a 17-point deficit at the half. You could have been down seven with the ball to start the second. I mean, it's just these little moments, these little plays, and every single time these guys come out in the field, they're thinking, hey, like, we're one throw. We're one big, big explosive play yeah. from getting back into it. I think there's, like, another element to it, and that's that's exactly right. That You are one play away, especially with these quarterbacks and these offensive playmakers, and the way the league's built, I mean, you can score points quickly. Yeah. I think the other thing that I noticed, and it's particularly with the Miami Dolphins, is you can also – uh, completely turn around your entire season or just change the narrative for one player, like Tua, for example. Like you heard Mike McDaniels talking about. And I had the same conversation with Mike McDaniels actually back in Houston when he was just a, an assistant, right? He was literally getting coffee, printing papers. And he had this, he had this same uh, ability to not just look at the X's and O's, but he would see, as he called it, the Jimmys and the Joes. Like he wants to see how these guys progress. And so he looks at his quarterback as a guy that, yes, absolutely, he can throw. He's accurate. He knows how to get through reads. But he looked at, he kind of took the next step and he started to expand his field vision and he really let the game become you know, his own. And he wasn't a robot anymore. And that's that's what that system talks a lot about. And you see, too, even week one, he's out there three hours early and he's mechanically going through all his reads. And you saw the same thing against the Ravens. He was doing that and they were having success, but they were also, they had a couple turnovers. But then, like, something clicked and he was like, no, I see that safety out of position. I'm going to hit him. Oh, I, I did that. That was pretty easy. Oh, I see now Waddle down the other sideline. Same idea. And so you can't be as aggressive on defense. You have to play more honest because now that quarterback is not just running an offense. He's attacking, right? And that's kind of where Tua, that's the, the switch that was flipped. And so that's, that's kind of dangerous, right? That's why the, the game set up this week like against the Bills is fantastic for me because it's so much fun to see a quarterback that now has all the confidence in the world. The coach believes in him. He has the skill position, guys. He believes now that he can see everything that's happening. I think it's going to, be, it's going to make up for a fun game in the AFC East. You talked about Eli Manning as somebody who refused to ride the roller coaster. I yeah. feel like that is part of this equation as well. The teams that come back are refusing to ride the roller coaster, yeah. at least on that day. No, we are not plummeting. We are not in the depths. This is not an abyss. This is still an opportunity. We seize the opportunity and we win the game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think that analogy you use about X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's, it is the Jimmy's and Joe's because Curtis Conway, one of you know our, our good buds, he used to say this to me all the time. Hey, on Sundays, those X's and O's, they actually move. You know, you know, like <laughs> right. there's, there's some adjustment that that actually has to make, and it actually not to circle back to you know what we were talking about with Arizona and and Vegas, but sort of the same thing where that robotic nature that we saw. I was watching the first three quarters of that game, and I go, nothing is easy for Arizona's offense. Nothing yeah. was easy, and then all of a sudden, it's some of that stuff that you're talking about, that off scripted stuff with, with Kyler going out there, and it's like, oh, okay. So for as much as we made about the not studying and the whole deal, like. At some point, there is this athletic ability of, of these Jimmys and Joes and, and how they're able to execute. Yeah. Like Miami's offense doesn't can't necessarily do what they do. When we talk about Tyreek Hill, Waddle, two fastest guys in the NFL, right? And in terms of uh, Mostert, he's the fastest running back in the NFL. Like they still need those Jimmys and Joes to be able to do yeah, what he no wants doubt. to do. Kyler Murray, really good off script. Question is, can he be really good on script? Yeah, that's the question. Answer coming in the weeks yep. and months to come. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next topic, next question is about Jimmy Garoppolo, who has, in my estimation, distinguished himself with grace and dignity and class in the face of the many challenges he has faced as a professional, including his mentorship of Trey Lance and his stewardship of a difficult moment on Sunday. To beat back adversity with a thousand watt smile isn't easy to do, even if you're that handsome or as handsome as this guy right here. (laughs) But that's all off. You were pointing at me. He right? was, was yes. pointing, pointing at, at yes, me. I Mike. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> not David Carr, who's hideous. But that's all off field. And that's Jimmy G, the man. Yes. What about on field? Is Jimmy G's reputation on the field, on the line this season? And does he have what it actually takes to rebuild it? Or do we already know everything there is to know about Jimmy G? The quarterback. Yeah, I think it's a critical distinction that you make. And Jimmy, for all the things that you said about him off the field, on the field, especially late, it's been rough, right? That's what that's what it's been. That's why they that's why they have the Trey Lance experiment going on in San Francisco, because they really believe that they can't get where they want to go with Jimmy. As great as his regular season record is, but I think that there's an interesting opportunity here for Jimmy because he was basically relegated to the practice field, away from the team. Throw balls over there. We don't need you anymore. And then there's this like rebirth, literally live on the field, where we had just signed you back for nothing, you know. And now, okay, you can be our backup quarterback in case something happens. And boom, he goes in. He's got this million-dollar smile. He gets picked up off the ground by 15 guys on his team, which you just don't ever see that. So those kind of images stand out. When you watch that happen, especially being a quarterback and to see those guys rally around him, they're like, our guy's back. And you're like, our guy from the outside. We're like, that guy lost you a Super Bowl. He's, he's the reason that you lose in the playoffs. I mean, they don't believe that, you know? So he has a really unique opportunity. Like, this is probably the most unique backup 
quarterback opportunity, out the door, wait, come back in real quick, thing that we've ever seen. Like, I've never seen anything like this. And so I think he's played with house money. Like, I really do. So it's going to come down to not necessarily October, because we know what he does. He's going to have a perfect passer rating at some point this month, right? And we're going to be like, oh, my gosh, Jimmy Garoppolo. No, it's a great run game. Kittle's going to come back. They're going to hit play-action pass. Like we saw the other day, there's guys running wide open. It's Kyle Shanahan. Guys are just going to be open, right? So I think the most important thing is that that one or two throws that he makes in the playoffs or when they get down to it and they got to beat the Rams, right, for the division title. Like, they're going to be in that scenario, and we've seen him miss him, right? We've seen him miss him consistently. Third down, like that's where you make your money. You're a quarterback. You get paid to win on third down. You get paid to win in the red zone. If you don't do that, we'll get another guy. That's kind of where they were. So, man, can he figure out a way to like, okay, you only you only got to do it once. Just got you got to get on. You got to get hot and do it for one year, and then someone's going to pay you to do it for them forever. Do you believe that this man has what it takes to go from being Mister November? Right, Mr. December <laughs> to Mr. January, because yeah. that's what the San Francisco 49ers want and need is Mr. January. You know, there's that old adage, you know, the fans, they always love the backup quarterback until the backup quarterback has to play. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I lived in San Francisco for about 10 years before I came down to the L.A. area, and I was at a couple of those practices the last couple of years since Trey Lance got drafted. I was at two of them in the month of August. And what was fascinating to me, and David hit the nail on the head, he was literally relegated to the practice field. Here's what I can tell you. At the end of the season, it was like a little mini parade. His teammates were effusive in their praise, and they loved him. What I think was really interesting is the fans, and I don't know if this changes your dynamics, David, you could speak to this, like when you know that you have this unwavering support and people actually want to see you on the football field, because that wasn't always the narrative around Jimmy in the Bay Area. What was really cool to see when I was up there, he's behind the bleachers. So there's bleachers that are set up. It's an open practice. Bleachers set up. The entire Niners team is practicing. Trey Lance is out there. Debo's stretching because it was a hold-in at that point. Jimmy comes out behind the bleachers, Standing ovation from the crowd. You had fans so literally unique. turning around, turning their backs to the actual team practicing. You're talking about that scene in Rudy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? The slow like, clap. It's, yeah. it's, no, it, seriously. It felt like, I swear, Andrew, it really did feel like that. Fans had turned their backs to their own team to take out their phone and watch Jimmy, not in full pads, in shorts and a cutoff T-shirt, throwing 20-yard passes to... Some like random equipment dude. manager. Yeah, I mean, it was unlike anything I had seen. So there is like so this unique. big push. Like it really is unique. It's nothing like we've ever seen before. And I can tell you, I think it's galvanizing that team because to a man, I I really do wonder, and I don't know this, but I got to think that every single veteran who said all the right things. We talked to all of them when we did our show there for NFL Network. Oh yeah, Trey's got the ability. I guarantee you, they all kind of feel like, hey, we go from a team that maybe probably can win and win enough to get into the postseason to now having Jimmy going. Yo, man, we can get back to an NFC championship game. You get to that point, and then you're getting to the Super Bowl, and then you got a chance. So it's a really cool thing. I bet every vet in there actually loves the fact that Jimmy's playing. He wears the cloak of stardom with grace and dignity, as I mentioned before. But stardom can be a deceitful thing. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, if, he, if I look you in the eye right now, do you believe that he will change the narrative on his career? We are, well, I think we can all agree, yes, yes, we can. We've seen everything happen after this week. Anything can happen for anybody yes. in the NFL. Can he? Yes. Will so he? So what happens in the playoffs? So what you do really well, they, everyone takes the Bill Belichick approach. Like, regular season, we're going to see where your personnel is. We're going to line up to you. We don't have a ton of time to really dig into, like, this specific game plan to just stop what you do 
so well that we can now put it on Jimmy's shoulders. But what happens in the playoffs is they do have that time. Yeah. And they will say, you're not going to run the ball. You're not going to get the ball to Debo Samuel. Other guys are going to have to win. He's going to have to make throws on third down. All the things that we've always wanted him to do that he hasn't necessarily done well, win on third down, win in the red zone consistently from the pocket. I just don't, the numbers don't say that he'll be able to do it. But that's the beauty of this single one-off scenario is he doesn't have to do it all the time. He's got to do it like five times, right? right? And so any team can get hot, especially this team with that defense and that, that dynamic playmaker with Debo and, and Kittle and, and what Kyle can do in the run game. We'll see, man. It's going to be fun to watch. I know that. Like, I know his teammates are excited to see. I know they're hoping that he can do it. They're, that same narrative that we're talking about, they all hear it. They know. They know why they switched over and why Jimmy's still here but he's not playing. Why is that? They all know why, right? It's the same things we've just been talking about. So, but it's on Jimmy, man. And I think that he, I, th- I think that not only do I think he can do it, I think that he actually will do it this year. Yeah. And we heard in the meeting, uh, you were driving in in a car that doesn't require you to put your hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> um, but uh, Willie McGinnis in the meeting said, "That's why we play the game." Yeah, I'm not an apologist yeah. for haters. I'm an apologist for provocateurs because I like asking a provocative question. Yeah, but. I'm rooting for the kid. I am. Yeah, I think everybody is, honestly. Because like, you think about the scenario, like they basically ran him out of town because he wasn't, not what they wanted, right? And unjustified, maybe. Maybe it is what Kyle saw. Hey, exactly what we're talking about. He hasn't been able to get us over the hump. Let's find someone that can. But man, he's got another chance, you know, because Trey's not coming back. So it's, it's on you, Jimmy. Figure it out. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm sitting here with David Carr and with Mike Yam, and we have some business to attend to. That has to do with last night. Two games, two routes, questions from the first game, Titans and Bills. One, is it outrageous to suggest that the Buffalo Bills, as Steve Mariucci has already suggested this year, that the Buffalo Bills could run the table? Who am I to disagree with Mooch? But I kind of feel like you got to disagree with Mooch a little bit, right? I mean... Hell, we're, we're even talking about the, this week's matchup is one that's going to yeah. be really difficult uh, as well coming off of a short week. And I know, you know, we talked about this on Total Access, the the injuries, the secondary and things they have to navigate. I don't know, man, I I don't know if the run in the table is is what we're going to see. It's too hard on Sundays. You spent a long time in the NFL. Uh was it the goal ever to run the table? No, never. It's just to win the Super Bowl. Who cares, right? I've seen coaches sit guys because they didn't feel like it gave them the best chance. He might be healthy enough to play. If it was a Super Bowl, he'd play. But if it's not, he's not going to play. And no. look at Buffalo. They, they are depleted a little bit in the secondary. That, that, that wasn't easy for them that game. I mean, even though it, was, it appeared easy on the surface, football's a violent game. It's very physical. They're down some guys. So I think about they're, they're going to jog out Elam, right, the young kid from Florida, as their most – I guess, prize possession in the secondary. Like, you got some safety issues. That, that to me, makes me nervous. You got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, a pretty good offensive coordinator. Tua's playing with a lot of confidence. He sees the field. Gusecki's not a bad target down the middle either. They like to play a lot of split safety. Like, it's, it's not a great matchup for Buffalo on a short week. So, I, I don't think they necessarily have to run the table. You know, I, I think that that's, that's not a bad thing. Like, it might be a bad thing that you're playing the Dolphins, Right on that that time frame that we laid out, because I feel like they're going to be there at the end, pushing you for this division. So they look great. My, I mean, the Buffalo Bills look fantastic, but the best team in football could very easily lose this weekend. Yeah, Bills Mafia, by the way, they're just like, dude, can we just not have this conversation about going undefeated? Can we just win? <laughs> yeah, they, and get to a Super Bowl. Nothing to do with this. Yeah. It's not about winning all the games. It's about winning the right games. Yeah. The year that your Giants won the Super Bowl, we talked about it earlier today. Yeah. You took a bad 25-point loss to the Saints yeah. late in the season. The very next week, you lost again. Yeah. I should think that the team 
in that moment, probably didn't think of themselves as a Super Bowl champion, and yet, four or five weeks later, you were. No, you just think about fixing what's broken, and, and how can we get better, and how can you find what you do well, and just kind of hang on to that. Like, every team develops a personality and identity. Tom Coffin used to talk about this all the time. And identity is built through adversity also. Like, you're, you have to, you can't go into those games, and it's as easy as it is to just kind of wipe it and, and push it away. And M. Rob, and, and I've, we've done it too, but I think that you have to learn something about every opportunity, right? So if the Buffalo Bills go down to Miami and they lose, they better learn from it, right? And not just scrap it because that's going to that's gonna define who you are later in the season because it's going to get tough. I don't care who you are. I haven't seen a team roll through the league and just have an easy path all the way to the Super Bowl. And then they, I mean, that's maybe since like the early 90s, something like that happened with the Cowboys, maybe, right? That was a long time ago. That doesn't happen anymore. You're going to go through some stuff and you got to find out who you are before that. Question on the other side. And this is for the man who wore number 22 for the Tennessee Titans last night. Seriously, who was that guy? Yeah. And what did he do with Derrick Henry? It's a difficult question to answer yeah. in 30 seconds, but I'm going to see if you can. What's going on with the Tennessee Titans? I, I could do it. Their best player, although it appears to be Derrick Henry, is actually A.J. Brown. He plays for the Philadelphia Eagles now. I think that's the biggest issue. When you look at how they were playing the game, there was a, a particular moment. Ryan Tannehill threw an interception over to the left side of the field. It was tipped by a couple guys. Right before that play, I said, well, you look at it. There's 10 guys. Yep. There's 10 guys in the picture, right? Of our broadcast picture, you could see 10 defenders within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. That's kind of crazy. Like, I don't care who you are, Derrick Henry. You could be 100 pounds more and run another second faster than the 40. You're not going to get any yards there. Like, it's just not going to happen. They have to develop something. That's why I even kind of tossed out, you know, thought process-wise. I would add Malik in a little bit just to add some element of the running game to kind of make it a fair fight because you're, you're basically playing against goal line offense or goal line defense on every snap. So, Derrick Henry might not have 100 yards until Christmas, like in a game. That's, that's how bad it looks right now because there's just literally no threat on the outside. I don't think it's Ryan Tannehill's fault either. I think they just don't have, they just don't have the firepower on the outside to, to back these guys up. David Carr now guilty of looking ahead in the rundown. We will talk about Malik Willis in a moment. <laughs> Jalen Hurts looked every bit top-notch dual threat. If he continues to play this way, this is going to be a dangerous, tough team to play. In 2022. Okay, next game, next question. One, are the Eagles the team to beat in the NFC? Seriously. Uh, no doubt in my mind that that's the case. Uh, Roseman's made some shrewd moves, never shy about making a deal. We've seen some of these uh, smaller, larger trades really pay off in a big way. Offensively, the biggest question around, I shouldn't even say offensively, the biggest question around the Eagles heading into the season was, were you going to get elevated play from Jalen Hurts? Could he carry this football team through the first two weeks of the season? It's hard to make the argument that they are not the best yep. team in that division. Second question, and it sounds a little snarky, so maybe I should rewrite it as I say it. Should the Vikings have a quarterback on the roster not named Kirk Cousins for primetime games? Okay, that's a bit rude. But maybe the real question is this. Are you seeing what I'm seeing, David, which is, I see Kirk Cousins as a lifelong womb to the tomb Washington fan. I watched him do this in D.C., and I'm seeing him do it in Minnesota. And I want him to do well, but I see him actually play differently in these games. I see his release as different. I see him clutching the ball tighter. I see him overthrowing guys. Am I, am I wrong? No, there's a really cool, and I would tell all the people listening, if you can go back and look at after they blocked the field goal, and then they had the ball in the red zone. And this was a chance for them to maybe go in and make it a two-score game. And he threw the interception, I think it was to Maddox on the left side. Right before the snap, he did exactly what you just talked about. He was so ready to get the snap. He did a couple of the panic claps that most quarterbacks do. But there was like a, a tensity like in his body language. that like I don't ever really see that stuff from quarterbacks. Yeah. But I was like, he's way too tense right now for this moment. 
And then he just threw not a very good pass over to the left side, which he could easily t- dump it down on Justin Jefferson, and then maybe go for it on fourth down. But it was a bad play, and it was like, wow, I actually kind of get what Drew's been talking about as a Washington fan. Because I've always been kind of not a defender of Kirk Cousins, but I'm like, oh, the run game doesn't go well. Then the play action pass doesn't go. And when they drop back pass, they're not very good. But I think that's an easy out now. And I'm starting to kind of see, you know, where he gets he gets a little bit anti-Eli Manning, like in those moments. And it's like, that's probably not the best quality for a quarterback. So that makes that con- that concerns me for sure as a Minnesota fan. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm sitting with David Carr and Mike Yam, and we are running out of time. So we are going to go. Rapid fire. Here we go, gentlemen. Sit forward in your seats. Take a deep breath. I need quick answers. Next topic. Next question. Got it. The clash between expectation and execution in Indy. Here is the question. Are they aware Jonathan Taylor is on the roster? (laughs) The handoff to Taylor. Taylor. He is met at the defensive line. Jonathan Taylor has not been as involved. Uh, Clearly, they must be. Kind of weird situation i think in week number two i think what's crazy to me is dark horse mvp candidate was matt ryan and two we felt like this team could really make a run i, I don't know if you can make that case after what we've seen and look shaquille leonard coming back into the lineup and being healthy i think will be a huge boost when that does transpire david how concerned should colts fans be about this version of matt ryan in danger of being renamed maddie ice cold ryan dropping back to pass lofts it to the near side it's in yeah, I mean, pretty pretty concerning because he just kind of looks old, you know, honestly. And so I think that Frank Wright has been enamored by, like, his ability to rally the team, to move practice along. They practice fast. You heard all the things coming out of training camp, like, oh, Matt Ryan is going to save the team. Well, that's great, but still, Jonathan Taylor needs to touch the ball 30 times a game. Like, that's a minimum, 35 times. Figure it out. They're playing too much outside in. I don't even know how many pass attempts he has. Probably 90 in the last two games. That's way too many. Like, I don't care who you are. You shouldn't be throwing the football that much, especially with that offensive line, that run game. The question in Pittsburgh is the same question in Tennessee, certainly after last night. Pet project or vet project? Let's start in Pittsburgh. The vet is Mitch Trubisky. The pet is Kenny Pickett. Is it time to give Kenny the keys to the car? Yes, I believe so. I, I, and I've been a huge Mitchell Trubisky like supporter all the way through the offseason. I was excited when he went to Pittsburgh. I heard some good things coming out of there from my old quarterback coach who's in Pittsburgh. But I, I really believe it's Kenny Pickett's time. He showed me enough in the preseason. And when a guy is able to come out there and look like a seasoned veteran, what are you waiting for? I mean, he's ready to go. Day and age, he can pick it up. This offense is, is, is very quarterback friendly. Matt Canada doesn't ask you to do a whole lot of the line of scrimmage. And, and Pickett's more talented. He throws with great anticipation anticipation for a young guy put him in the game rock with that great defense and run game and let's go mike m you're not a soothsayer <laughs> your radar is pretty good is mike tomlin about to experience his first losing season as a head coach no i'm not ready to go down that path yet i think the tj watt situation is more optimistic that helps mika fitzpatrick is showing that he is maybe the premier defensive player not named aaron donald just mm-hmm. big picture wise he continues to make plays i'm with you on the picket situation there are some guys that go out there when you hear that, it just feels different on the football field. I think Pickett's that guy. Yeah. Let's turn now to Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill, for me, one of the better athletes at the quarterback position in the NFL. But is it time to consider the pet project? One, Malik Willis. You touched on it earlier. Yeah. Follow up. I'm going to be exactly how I feel like Mike Vrabel's in the same scenario. Like He spent time with Ryan Tannehill on the sideline to console him, which doesn't usually happen when you bench a quarterback. Usually the coach is over there. He's like, just put him on the bench. Give me the other guy. Like So he feels that Ryan Tannehill gives him the best chance to win. So I say you still roll with Ryan Tannehill, but I would love to see 
because of what the things I talked about earlier is like you don't have the weaponry on the outside to make the, the to make the playing field level. Like right now, they have an extra defender and they're all at the line of scrimmage. You have to do something, involve the quarterback more in the run game, and you can do that without endangering Ryan Tannehill. Like you need him to throw the football. I get that. Like let Malik do some of that stuff. He clearly wants to do it anyway. He was great at it in the preseason. So involve him in the run game with Derrick Henry. Be a little bit creative. You can do some of those things and advance the advance the ball forward. And still be still be a good football team. I don't think that the season is lost. I think you just have to kind of reimagine what this looks like because I don't think you have the horses on the outside to, to really threaten people. Mike, you heard our friend and colleague Michael Robinson in the meeting address this. I want to see if you agree in his absence. Does the absence of A.J. Brown necessitate the arrival of Malik Willis because your outside options are now limited, if not gone? Totally. I think David did a great job chronicling some of the issues why Derrick Henry didn't get off in that football game and has been relatively held in check. Here's what I would say. Number one, I don't know if there was another player in the NFL more exciting to watch in the preseason than Malik Willis. Right? Like he was spectacular. Yeah. I found myself wanting to root for him. In fact, when I saw on Twitter that he got into the game, the immediate my I immediately turned the channel because I wanted to see what he could do. He is fun to watch. There is an interesting dynamic that he brings uh, to the football team. Must see television and exciting. That doesn't necessarily win you games, but to me, why not at this point? Because this does not look like the team that won the division a season ago. Last two questions. The game of the week, the battle of the twelves, the gold jacket bowl. Tom Brady takes the Bucks into Green Bay to face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Do you have a gut call on what happens? Yeah, I'll take Brady. Even being down at the wide receiver spot like he is, are you kidding me? Based off of what I saw against the Saints, there's like this little f- switch that got flipped in him. I actually thought the Saints had the advantage after the ejections. And TB12 was like, yo, this is my show. And he rolled off. I'll, I'll, I'll take Brady. Do you agree? I, I do agree. I think the Packers showed some life, and they showed that they can run the football, but I, I, I don't think that the Bears are a great team. So yeah. I, I think that the Bucks are a completely different animal. They've given up 13 points. It doesn't even look like they wanted to give up those points, and that's they're very good. They're a very good unit. I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers and his ability to really trust his guys. Like that's That's always been the thing with Aaron. Does he trust his guys? And I don't know if you can trust them with some of those guys that are flying around, especially in the interior. You got you got White, and you got some of those guys that are moving around. They're on your eyes. They got a good pass rush, and the the, the Packers are still depleted. I, I still like he, Brady. Both those quarterbacks, by the way, have looked frustrated at times through these first yeah. games. It's very weird to see dudes at that level, at that caliber, look the way that they have. But even the, even being frustrated, Brady's still been able to get it yeah. done against a team that he hadn't even done that against in the past. Saints. Guys, take my word for it. When you get as old as we are, <laughs> emotional fragility starts to creep in. Fair. Trust Fair. us when well, we I say this. Template. Trust, it was your word uh, of that matchup. Trust me when I say that if you could only watch one game this week, you might not watch Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You might just go ahead and watch the Bills versus the Dolphins in Miami. You touched on the game earlier, and you suggested that the best team in the NFL, you're saying the Bills are the best team in the NFL. I I do believe the Bills are the best team in the NFL. And you're saying that the best team in the NFL might well lose this week. I actually think they will lose this week. And it's just what the NFL is. Like People have to realize that that stuff happens. Like Injuries happen, short weeks happen, you're traveling, you're playing an early game in Miami. Miami plays pretty good down there. They're playing with a ton of confidence. Like All the signs point to the Dolphins winning this football game, and now we're going to be sitting here next week saying, the Dolphins going to win the AFC East, right? You know don't, that's happening. Yeah, it's going to happen. Like you can already see the future. So I don't, uh-huh. I don't think we should go that far. I'm going to get out ahead of it. But I do think that it's going to be a fantastic matchup, and I love that the Dolphins are good because I've been a closet Dolphin fan since like the Marino era. I love watching those guys. It's always better in the NFL when the Dolphins are a good team. I'm excited they're back. Mikey, and you get the last word on this. How excited are you about this matchup? 
explosiveness is like the one way that I characterize this Dolphins offense. It's fun to watch. I don't know how many wins it'll yield by the by season's end. MJ, who I know is going to probably be on this podcast tomorrow, she's probably like yelling at me going, hey, we are going to run the table. We're going to win this week against Buffalo. But the point is, it's fun to watch. And at the end of the day, it's still football. That's the whole point. It's entertainment. And Mike McDaniel and this team and Tua, by the way, speaking of narratives with Jimmy G, and I'm killing your clock here, uh, Tua fighting all the things that he has fought to have that success. If you're not happy for him, and I get it, he's an Alabama guy and that, that whole deal and what we saw at the college side, it's an awesome under-the-radar story for me. It's great. This has been NFL Total Access, the podcast. I want to thank today's guests, Mike Yam, David Carr, and I want to invite all of you to come back tomorrow when we will begin to preview the Thursday night AFC North matchup between the Steelers and the Browns. Good luck picking that one. Yeah. Till then... Happy five-month birthday to my son, Henry Hawk. Love you, kid. Yes. Yes. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.